You're listening to FundFlow, a podcast for emerging managers, offering insights into the journey of new and aspiring fund managers seeking to have access in a crowded market. Tune in as McGuire Woods partner and host, John Finger, is joined by guests ranging from first-time fund managers to proven emerging managers, experienced LPs poised to back emerging managers, and other key participants in the emerging manager ecosystem. Hear their real-world perspectives and gain actionable tips to help inform your strategy and position yourself for a successful fund closing. Welcome to FundFlow a McGuire Woods podcast for emerging managers. I'm John Finger, and today I'm very excited to be joined by Mary Hunt, a principal at RCP Advisors and portfolio manager of the firm's diversity, equity, and inclusion investment strategy. Mary is responsible for sourcing, due diligence, and portfolio management, as well as a member of the investment committee for RCP Elevate. Mary, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, let's start, Mary, if you don't mind, and talk a little bit about your road in investing and how it led you to RCP Advisors after a lengthy and impressive stint at Allstate Investments. Sure. I'll go pretty far back here. So after college, I did your typical finance background, BA at University of Illinois, and then I did your standard two-year investment banking program um, right out of school, uh, worked in the paper packaging and building products group at J.P. Morgan in their Chicago office. And, you know, at that time was sort of the height of the market then, um, 2006 through 2008, finished my banking program right before Lehman, trying to figure out where I wanted to go from banking. You know, a lot of the relationships that J.P. Morgan had at that time were with the the real big private equity firms, which is great, but wasn't necessarily going to be a huge change in, you know, day-to-day and responsibilities. So um, a VP of mine actually introduced me to a role in a hedge fund of funds. I didn't have any previous uh, knowledge of what the fund of funds world was. And while I, you know, ultimately didn't go into hedge fund of funds, I did proactively start looking for private equity fund of funds roles, which is when, you know, the all-state opportunity presented itself. And ultimately, you know, really was a great fit. It was a combination of both fund of funds as well as the opportunity to do direct deals, which both were beneficial for sort of my developing my investment acumen. As soon as I joined Allstate, Lehman hit the start of the GFC, the global financial crisis. So luckily, I had joined an insurance company that had a good stable capital base, which was beneficial. I wish I could say I, I, I thought about that, but that was purely luck on my part. So I think like everyone, everyone took a short pause in terms of investing right at that moment in time. But, you know, pretty quickly we were back, you know, doing fund investing as well as direct investing. Um, You know, I think uniquely fund investing is more than what you typically learn um, as part of your undergrad or investment banking skill set. Right. You're you're really backing people which I appreciated and liked, um, but hadn't necessarily thought about that and learning how to read people. And you're basically giving them blind pool capital for a period of time um, and hoping that they invest it (laughs) per their mandate. So I think it was really a great um, learning for me over those years. I did raise my hand when Allstate opened their London office. I moved over to London for a couple of years to help um, build out that team and office. 
And it was really there that I really first started investing with emerging managers as that office was tasked with developing a portfolio over in Asia. Private equity in Asia was really all emerging at that point in time. For the most part, it is still today. But that's probably where I really got my hands wet with emerging managers um, and, you know, really liked that aspect of the private equity market. You know, I think I came back from London in 2012, got my MBA, really started to do exactly a lot of emerging managers and first time managers in the States. That became a core tenant of our strategy while I was at Allstate, you know, and where we had the best track record, best performance. And I became very focused in on that part of the market because alignment was, you know, extremely high, right? As the market has evolved and matured for private equity, you know, as managers move up market, there's less emphasis on doing as good on deals because they've got the the AUM, the management fees coming from AUM. It's really refreshing to have people who are super motivated to be successful and have to be successful in their deals. And so, you know, that's really what attracted me to this end of the market. RCP asked me to join them at the end of last summer. It was a difficult decision. Um, You know, I, I really enjoyed my time at Allstate and had a really core group of team members. But RCP was always one of the top names in my, you know, list of institutional investors in Chicagoland, uh, where I'm at and will continue to be. And so, you know, the opportunity to join a good team that's growing um, and to spearhead several initiatives associated with emerging managers was, you know, really attractive. That's great. Thank you. What has your experience been over the 15 years in private equity that led you to want to take a position and be really bought into a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah, well, firstly, as a woman in private equity, to get where I've been, I've had to have really great support around me, right? It's it's not overly easy. Um, I've had fantastic managers, bosses, mentors along the way. You know, a lot of people took chances on me. And, you know, while you still need to prove yourself, right, it's those chances that really open up the door and have given me the experience that I've needed to move forward. And I want to do that for others, right, particularly others that don't naturally have that network of support, particularly in the business community. You know, and then I think, you know, naturally, you know, private equity is very uniquely positioned to affect change in the workplace more quickly than what we've been able to do in the public market. And if we do it right, there should be a rippling effect that will more quickly benefit communities and societies and ensure that it's longer lasting. But to make sure that this happens, we have to, it's very important to pick winners, right? So that we can prove that the return profile for these diverse opportunities are on par, if not better than the broader market. And to me, taking someone who's experienced in private equity and focusing in on diversity um, is something that I was really excited to do um, because I think we are well positioned at RCP to ensure that we can generate alpha here. One of the words we always hear talked about as it relates to emerging managers is differentiation. And I think that's an incredible uh, word to describe RCP in many ways, but importantly, RCP has a fantastic report, very detailed, out about diversity, 
within private equity, both on the underlying portfolio company and then as it relates to fund managers. What is the history of that report? And talk a little bit about what went into its production. Yeah, no. Well, firstly, let me take a step back. So one of the huge attributes RCP has and truly a differentiation for us in the marketplace is our GP Scout database. So we've got 20 years worth of data of every single transaction that we see that comes in the door. We track that transaction in terms of performance, all sorts of metrics, whether it is growth profile, margin profile. Then we you know, pull it up to the fund level and you know, have tons of information on track records of the individual managers of the funds. And so before I joined RCP, I was always calling them up and referencing deals with RCP, trying to get a hold of their benchmarking uh, for managers. <laughs> sure. So it was great when I was able to actually join and, you know, having all of that data at our fingertips um, right when I joined was fantastic. We continued to build it out. But over four or five years ago, RCP started tagging diverse deals in our por- it, that came in through the database. So you know, we have a huge set of both fund investments as well as underlying deals that we've tagged as diverse. So we've done a ton of work as it relates to comparing diverse deals versus the broader market and how those have improved over time um, and how those compare. And so, you know, lots of uh, computer generated algorithms have gone into this. A lot of manpower from our uh, research group, which has been fantastic to work with and, you know, really think through how we want to kind of lay things out. But uh, we were really excited to publish this report in February, um, which, you know, really the key takeaways from the report are deals and funds led by diverse managers perform in line, if not better than the broader lower middle market. So I want to be clear, this is the lower middle market From a buyout perspective, um, that's where RCP plays and that's where our data is. You know, and I think uniquely this is done with similar or less dispersion. You know, lastly, we we also call out there is an increasing number of private equity diverse opportunities now as compared to, you know, five, but more importantly, over 10 years ago, which we think is a really great time to really be putting resources and capital towards the space because your ability with a larger pool of opportunities, you have a you know better capability to generate alpha by selecting those, you know, top opportunities to invest in. So with your focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, how does that investment strategy at RCP overlap with your emerging manager strategy? It definitely overlaps, that's for sure. You know, a lot of our DEI, or, you know, we've called the strategy Elevate at RCP. A lot of our Elevate opportunities are emerging in nature. Truthfully, it's just a subcategory is sort of how I think about it a lot of times. We've got the ability to invest out of, you know, both our emerging manager strategy as well as our Elevate strategy. But I would say the vast majority of the opportunities that we are looking at are going to be emerging in nature. And by emerging, we typically define that as funds one or fund two. And then we put a, a fund size threshold on it under 250. We've got the ability to, you know, to go higher than that. Um, but the vast majority of our deals that we're going to be looking at for Elevate are first or second time funds at the, the lower end of the fundraising range. 
What does RCP consider and prioritize when developing the investment strategy for the Elevate program? Yeah, well, RCP was great, right? When I joined, you know, I was hugely impactful as it related to the strategy and got to really, you know, help think through the all the different um, aspects of what we want to pursue. Um, to me, one of the most important considerations was the definition of DEI, as well as the structure of the mandate. And like I said before, to me, my biggest priority here is to ensure that we're able and positioned best to generate alpha returns. And so the definition of DEI, you know, we spent a lot of time on. Um, we've kept it relatively broad because we want to make sure that we're being inclusive and thoughtful as it relates to, um, you know, diversity and what it means to different constituents. So for us, we've defined it as women, people of color, individuals who affiliate with the LGBTQIA community, veterans, as well as people with disabilities. Um, so very, you know, inclusive. We're focused on senior level GPs that represent 50, the goal is 50% or more of the, either the economics or the key decision-making and how we've thought about that. A lot of people have a hard and fast, you know, management company ownership. To me at the lower end of the market, management company ownership isn't very meaningful as, you know, management company ownership often is loss-making for the first couple of funds, um, if not break-even. So, carried interest to me is more important within private equity at the lower end of the market. Um, but we also wanted to overlay that with key decision making, right? At the investment committee level, you know, who has a voice, who's helping to make these decisions, in my mind, sort of helps eliminate GPs that are maybe doing something cute at the management company ownership level to, you know, qualify, but not really living into, you know, the key mission here. That's great. But those are, I would say those were kind of, you know, the most important things as it relates to kind of how we thought about it. The another um, takeaway or key element of our strategy is the fact that the underlying strategies of the GPs that we're investing in do not have to be impact focused. Oftentimes they will be, um, you know, we very much expect that. Um, and they will be, you know, purposefully as well as, you know, accidentally, right? Um, if you put diverse individuals at the GP level, they're going to utilize their specific network to source opportunities and be more thoughtful as they build out teams and add more diversity at those underlying portfolio levels. But their strategies do not necessarily have to be, you know, looking for diverse underlying companies. Interesting. How has... Has the strategy within Elevate evolved over the years in a meaningful way, or has it largely stayed static? Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, Elevate is a new strategy, specific strategy for RCP. So there hasn't been a lot of time for it to evolve. That said, RCP has a pretty substantial track record of investing with diverse managers. Um, we just did it without a dedicated strategy, right? It went into other um, portfolios of ours. And, you know, over time, we've, you know, developed a pretty, um, what looked to be attractive track record um, with these managers, which I think has led to this, you know, elevate strategy coming to fruition. That's great. 
From an LP's perspective, Mary, what are the most common questions you present to GPs who pitch RCP? Yeah, this is for everyone, right? This isn't for diverse managers or emerging markets. But, you know, it's what's your approach to the market and how are you differentiated, right? Private equity is a you know very mature industry at this point. Gone are the days of just making money from levering up deals. So now you've got to be able to prove to the seller that you're the right buyer. Maybe not just on price, right? That that used to be the case, but you also have to prove to me that you've got the capabilities to generate you know really attractive first quartile returns. And that's hard, right? Like there's so many private equity firms now to be able to differentiate yourself is is difficult. But, you know, finding those, you know, key tenants, you know, maybe you have a background in some sort of subsector of the market or you've got a education, you know, that has given you a leg up to be able to talk with scientists of a specific chemical sector, right, that, you know, a regular GP who operates as a generalist maybe may not have that acumen, is differentiated as it relates to trying to win deals and create value post-investment. When you consider GPs, how much weight do you give to experience versus talent, recognizing that emerging managers may not always have an abundance of experience. Um, certainly sometimes they've been in private equity for 20 years and and leave to start their own <laughs> firm. But how do you strike that balance between experience and differentiated talent? Yeah. Well, I would say you need both. You may not need 20 years of experience, but you definitely need experience. If you don't have the experience, my recommendation is to you know stay with your current firm and gain it or you know, if that's not an option, you know, become an independent sponsor for a while and do, you know, some deals on a deal by deal basis, right? And gain that experience on a one-off basis. It's so hard to come to market these days with a first-time fund without that experience, um, particularly as a lead investor on deals, right? So if you don't have that partner level soup to nuts experience on several deals to create a track record, um, an attributable track record, do it on your own. It's not easy by any means. Um, You've got to really develop some relationships with, you know, backers who will support independent sponsors. Um, There's a number of firms out there that do that. Family offices have been well known to do that. Um, RCP and a lot of institutional investors are now backing independent sponsors. So it's much easier than it historically has been. But experience, is key. And, you know, you also need the talent and the talent is shown based on, you know, the performance of your track record. What are some maybe overlooked qualities that a GP might possess or or you've seen in your history with looking at GPs that would bolster them in your eyes? Yeah. Well, this evolved over the years, right? I think, you know, initially when I first started investing in private equity, you know, having an operator or two at the firm was a huge differentiator. Now, if you don't have any operators, it's it's looked poorly upon you. Um, As a firm, you're, you're essentially incomplete. But I think qualities now that I think would bolster, you know, a firm is, you know, again, like that unique angle or, you know, sector specialization, 
it's hard to be a generalist private equity investor. And, you know, firms that say, oh, I'm a, you know, specialty manufacturer, right? That's still relatively generalist, (laughs) right? Like, what does that really mean? But being able to say like, hey, you know, this is a specific subset of the market I know extremely well, or also a lot of firms that I've, you know, backed over the years are very, very thesis driven, which is, you know, helpful as it relates to getting up to speed on a specific part of the market, you know, ability to kind of, you know, really benchmark all the different players and constituents meet with a lot of the players, develop those relationships in that specific sector or community to be able to really pick the best deals available, um, I think is unique. But it's hard, you know, it's hard these days. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. It's certainly one way to develop relationships and experiences through the independent sponsor um, intersection. And we've certainly seen that with firms like RCP and others where they come in with an independent sponsor and then ultimately end up within the committed fund as well. But talk a little bit about RCP's preferred timeline for a partnership with a GP. And how do you typically see relationships develop with a GP over that time frame? Yeah, I mean, the longer the better, right? If we can look at a deal or two with you and execute potentially on a deal and see how you operate um, through the buying process as well as the Um, value creation process and potentially the exit process, it makes it so much easier for us to underwrite a fund investment on a blind pool basis than, you know, someone who we meet for the first time who's raising their first fund. We don't know anything about them. We've got to do a ton of work. We can still do that. It just takes more effort for us. A good example is a manager that's coming to market probably at the end of this year Back at Allstate, you know, I invested with this manager uh, to to direct investments, sat on boards with this manager. You know, we've had a lot of success with these two deals that I've done with them. They've also, you know, shown the deals to RCP. RCP's done a lot of work on them. Um, you know, we ha- hold them in high regard. Over the last four years that we've known them, they've continued to build out their team to be more institutional versus, you know, an independent sponsor, two-man shop. So, but they're coming to market in Q4. And, you know, for me, it's an easy decision to back them. You know, obviously, I've got to prove that to the rest of the RCP investment committee. But, um, you know, that's a situation where I know they're good investors, right? I've lived lived and breathed deals with them. Therefore, you know, ability to back them on a blind pool basis is a no-brainer for me. We have seen, certainly in the past 12 months, a very significant change, but increase in frequency of re-ups and managers coming back to market, in many cases more quickly uh, than the LP community may have anticipated. But with emerging manager programs still on the rise, What do you foresee for the future of the landscape with respect to LP's willingness to invest with emerging managers? Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think there's still a huge willingness to invest with emerging managers. The biggest issue is really staffing bandwidth uh, and potentially with some managers constrained capital, right? That capital is competing with the re-ups like you mentioned, as well as, you know, new GPs, which take more effort. Uh, to underwrite. You know, oftentimes 
especially if there's, you know, lack of attributed track record, right? The, the diligence process is significant for these emerging managers. Reference calls can span, you know, weeks and months um, even. So, you know, I think there will always be a desire to have, you know, emerging managers in your portfolio. You know, my experience historically, RCP's experience has always emerging managers have been outperformers for us most likely due to, you know, the alignment aspect, right? These these individuals, it's really their first opportunity to generate significant wealth or to prove themselves, potentially a chip on their shoulder dynamic from their old firm. So the outperformance is there, um, but it just takes more work to pursue. So I, I think there will always be the opportunity and the desire to invest with emerging managers, but you've got to balance that with, you know, staffing bandwidth. So you have certain organizations and institutions will, you know, have that bandwidth. I think a lot of organizations who are staffing constrained will not. And it's harder to pursue those opportunities. I think you're also limited, too, in terms of check size, right? There are a lot of organizations that have to write really large checks to be able to kind of move the needle for their portfolio, which those are not typically opportunities for, you know, individual emerging manager fund investments, right? If the if an emerging manager is only raising 250 million, a 200 million dollar minimum check from a pension is difficult for that GP to take. I mean, sometimes they would take it just to kind of move things along, but you know, to me I think that creates an opportunity for, you know, programs or SMAs with fund of funds or advisors to pursue the emerging manager program for these large institutions. And that will continue. What changes have you seen recently with respect to advancing diverse managers within private equity? Certainly, it's incredible the work RCP is doing. What have you observed within the broader private equity community? Yeah, well, I think over the last several years, you know, the social political events have underscored the importance of such investments. And as such, a lot of institutions have developed specific mandates targeting uh, DEI or ESG. You know, this happened a while ago back in Europe. Um, I think the U.S. is starting to catch up. But to me, you know, all of these dedicated mandates to pursue opportunities, diverse manager opportunities or ESG opportunities is really going to do a lot to move the mission forward. What is the most important advice you would give to other LPs in order to advance diversity within private equity? Based on our research, diversity should be part of every portfolio. It shouldn't be just to satisfy a mandate or a check the box situation. You know, we are you're seeing significant alpha generated from diversity. Um, therefore, it should have a spot in every portfolio, um, whether or not, you know, you're getting it from private equity or the public markets, right? Like, I think there's a reason to have diversity across multiple different asset classes, yeah, and the return profile is there. I think we're we're at a really unique point in the market where diverse individuals have the expertise and the experience now to generate really good returns. And now's a good inflection point to to really put your your money there. 
Recognizing the inherent complexities, we've touched on some of them, investing in a first-time fund, what are some teachable moments you've encountered along the way? Reference call, reference call, reference call. <laughs> um, you know, and not with just people on the GP's pre-populated reference call list. <laughs> you know, for first-time managers, we probably average 15 to 25 reference calls, which, you know, truthfully takes up the vast majority of our diligence. You know, emerging managers track record attribution is often difficult to get. Um, so therefore, diligencing it from every angle is super important. You know, and I think also, you know, this is separate. Ask the GPs if they need help, right? RCP has, you know, several strategies dedicated to emerging managers one of which is really an anchoring strategy um, where we can, you know, come in early, help a GP, you know, really develop their firm and get them going from a fundraise perspective. You know, it's a strategic partnership with Eaton Partners. And it's it's really a way to, you know, not only help these managers get into business, but, you know, help them with the nitty gritty. These are these are experienced investors, but not experienced GP fund um, or firm creators. And therefore, you know, all of the different, you know, capabilities that we can, you know, help them with. Right. Developing um, processes and procedures, help them get up and running from a back office and legal perspective. Right. Like we've got all of that capability in-house or we have the Rolodex to help them with, you know, firms that are already vetted. I think a lot of GPs are sometimes hesitant to ask LPs for help. But, you know, if we're going to invest with you, we want you to be successful. And fundraising is hugely important to ensure an emerging manager is successful. So I think emerging managers should ask for help, you know, and that's something that you going back to your question, a teachable moment, right? Like there's managers who I think pretend that they got everything under control and maybe don't necessarily um, and everything sort of comes to a head. So, you know, offering help, asking for help, I think is, you know, hugely important for first time managers. You develop a relationship with a, a GP LP that should last 10 plus years, right? And so dig in early and really, you know, make sure that you are helping each other out. So one of the aspects you mentioned around what RCP brings to the table, how much time do you spend and maybe talk a little bit about your interactions with other LPs and whether it's directly for bringing them in in order to help those emerging managers you talked about for interesting opportunities going back and forth, maybe talk about how you interact with other LPs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's super unique, um, as I found to the the diversity, the DEI private equity landscape. People are, especially on the DEI front, are super willing to share their pipeline of opportunities, managers that they're excited about. Um, I have probably 10, 10 or so LPs that, you know, have a very similar mandate or investment style to, to me that I call on on a quarterly basis and we compare notes. You know, and I think we'll do that um, more generally uh, as well um, within the, you know, the broader market. But I would say 
people who are, you know, investing in diversity are very passionate and sharing opportunities and making sure that these managers are successful is even more um, trans, uh, apparent. So, you know, I would say I, I, I probably make, I don't know, five calls a week with, you know, individuals that uh, to help bring forward, um, you know, opportunities that, you know, otherwise Make might get lost in the market. I think systematically the financial markets have underallocated capital to diverse managers historically. So we're trying to change that. And, you know, by changing that is to, you know, share opportunities with other people in the space who have capital to invest. Sure. So you and I have talked about our emerging manager conference and and I know you fully expect to be there and, and sharing your insights. But but for the audience today largely emerging managers, what is the most important piece of advice you would give to an emerging manager? Take your time. Be thoughtful about your approach to market. That may mean delaying a fundraise um, while you execute one to three pre-fund deals. But I think this is you know, particularly important uh, to your long-term success. Um, if you're not already necessarily, you know, have a track record where you're the deal lead in all aspects, you know, sourcing, negotiating, structuring, value creation, and exit. And during this time, you know, use it as an opportunity to develop, you know, relationships with LPs, which, you know, at the end of the day should translate to fund investors. You know, and one other thing, you know, for your first first couple of deals, you know, make sure you're doing deals that are right down the middle of the fairway for your strategy. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing worse than trying to explain why you did this deal, but it wouldn't be in align with their strategy uh, for the fund. So you never want to start <laughs> fundraising conversations with that, with that discussion. Yeah. I- explaining why it's going to be such a good deal, even if off mandate. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, make sure your deals that you do are right down the middle of the fairway. Yeah. That, that to me is, first and foremostly important for people who are trying to develop a track record on their own. Excellent. Well, thank you to our guest, Mary Hunt, for coming on the podcast today. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on all of the momentum within the DEI investment strategy at RCP, as as well as your emerging manager strategy. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of FundFlow. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for joining us on this episode of FundFlow. To learn more about today's discussion, please email host John Finger at jfinger at mcguirewoods.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This series was recorded and is being made available by McGuire Woods for informational purposes only. By accessing this series, you acknowledge that McGuire Woods makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this installment. The views, information, or opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily reflect those of McGuire Woods. This series should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state and should not be construed as an offer to make or consider any investment or course of action. 